This is the Field Trip Podcast. My name is Brent Terhune. Thanks once again for for joining me uh, on this episode. We're talking about the stories behind the songs. And this guy, he's been on the, the program before. He's the man, the milf, the legend. He is Matt Alano Martin. Matt, how you doing, man? Uh, I'm feeling pretty milfy. Thanks for having yeah. me back again. Yeah. I'm the milf uh, that you just can't get rid of. I just keep coming back. Milfalicious definition. That's. <laughs> Which is not even how that song goes to begin with. Uh, what is the definition of definition? Uh, some I don't know. That's not one of the stories we're talking about here this week, okay, Matt. But uh, you've been on the Elon Musk episode. You've also mm-hmm. been on uh, the the uh, music conspiracies episodes. That's why I asked you because yeah, you've tour managed bands. You've been mm-hmm. in bands. You like bands. So I think that makes you pretty qualified to talk about the stories behind the songs. I'm I'm excited to be back. I'm glad to be your music expert and also uh, your Elon, Elon Musk expert. I didn't even know how to say his first name. That's how much of an expert I am. That's and all right. We even, we even did a full episode on that asshole. Uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, my point being is I'm glad to be here on something that you're going out of your way to not call behind the music. You have phrased it a couple of different ways already. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. I Behind the music is good. This Trademark. is something else. This, uh, this, yeah. <laughs> this is not going to have the dramatic like voiceovers that behind the music did. Yeah, we're just going to, we'll just end up talking about uh, Weird Al the whole yeah, time. Then. Yeah, but everything wasn't paradise. I opened the closet door and there he was just chugging a, gallon of vodka i think that was the the one from the uh the band rat i think somebody Rat-a-ta? opened uh, yeah the guy was trying to like be sober and they opened up uh, a closet door and he's chugging a, a gallon of vodka i th- I think that's who that was it's what that i learned it from one of those vh1 talking head shows yeah um were you a rat fan or ratata fan they're probably round and rat no yeah. that rat and rat to me seems like uh, the people that like rat um, drive Trans Ams. Mm-hmm. I think that's accurate. Yeah. You mean the coolest people ever? Yeah. I think that's pretty accurate. Baby, you ain't seen nothing yet. What What is that Adam <laughs> Sandler movie where the guy pulls up and, and drives a Trans Am? I know that song is not rat, but. <clears throat> uh, is that the wedding singer? Maybe what you're describing. Mm, maybe uh happy Billy Madison, happy Billy Gilmore Billy. Madison. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, the longest yard. Uh, but yeah, so I'm not a, I'm not a rat fan. I know uh, the one song, mm-hmm. uh, but we're not talking about rat. Oh, okay. Sorry. First, we're talking about you mm-hmm. uh, as in your podcast, Matt and Dwight just might. It's a weekly podcast. It's uh, if, if you're like a, an aspiring comic and you want to learn the ropes, for some from some grizzled veterans check out that podcast <laughs> that that's an excellent way to describe it yeah it's a podcast i do with dwight simmons and it's all about our lives in comedy our unglamorous lives in comedy so mm-hmm. yeah. well and you you both are in charge of a comedy festival so mm-hmm. uh if you want to know the ins and outs of that too 
Yeah, we, we kind of pull the curtain back a little bit if you want to see what it's like to run a festival and the things that we go through to put that together every year. That festival is called Limestone Comedy Festival. It's coming up. I don't know when this episode is going to drop, but it's uh, June 1st through the 3rd. So mm -hmm. if this comes out before then, then tickets are on sale. If this comes out after then. <laughs> what a great festival it was. What a, is amazing. You really mm -hmm. miss out. I can't believe all the uh, amazing people that did surprise drop-ins. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I was going to say Dave Chappelle, but that's not a, a good choice right now. <laughs> okay, let's uh, go with Louis. Louis C.K. was there. Oh, way better. Uh, that's a way better choice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no controversy with that guy at all. Uh, yeah. But it is uh, the Limestone Comedy Festival. Bloomington, Indiana is one of my favorite cities anyway. But then mm -hmm. it's one of my favorite comedy festivals. And I'm not I'm just saying it because we're I'm talking to you. But it's mm -hmm. like it's one when you're a comedian. That it's worth your time because usually a lot of people are they will fly drive in they're getting hotels mm -hmm. and then you're already in the hole before you even step on stage mm -hmm. you know yep yeah <clears throat> so we try to make it worth the while so thank you for that uh that vote of confidence brent appreciate it you have uh you have my endorsement all right yeah, that should make the festival yeah but let's jump to our topic it's a topic okay. actually suggested by a patreon pa mm -hmm. patreon patron uh, from my Patreon, uh, which is uh, patreon.com slash Brent Comedy uh, from Eric Sexton. He messaged me and he said, hey, you should do one about uh, the stories behind songs. And I said, I'm on it. So uh, if you ever want to suggest an episode, check out the Patreon over there. Uh, patreon.com slash Brent Comedy. But uh, Matt, our first one is one I didn't send you on purpose. And oh, it's okay. not even it's not even music. It just okay. kind of. Uh, this new audio is resurfaced, not new audio, but it's, uh, audio that, that they just found in a, in a big vault next to 101 Dalmatians <laughs> and uh, it's not a Disney thing, but are you familiar with the concept of the Wilhelm scream? I am. Yes, I am aware of this. And was it, was it not you that I was talking to about this? I was talking to somebody about how they found this. Yeah, that, uh. that's, uh, that, that, that article is they found like the recordings of, this Wilhelm screen. Now, for you, dear listener, if you're not aware of what this is, you probably have heard this. It's a famous scream that they they've kind of put into most things. You've heard it in uh uh I think every Star Wars movie, Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, Lethal Weapon 4, Reservoir Dogs. Uh I prefer the the French pronunciation <laughs> of Reservoir, uh Kill Bill Volume One, Transformers, and so much more. Uh, but you've heard the scream and the origins are are well known. It comes from a movie called Distant Drums filmed in 1951. And uh, most movies uh, back then, they would re they would film the movie and then uh, like dub the sound in later. That's why I uh, like they did it a lot with horror movies, especially like a spaghetti westerns, the Italian movies. Mm -hmm. uh, w from what I heard of people that would like work with Italian crews they wouldn't understand how the crew was being loud as shit because, you know, it'd be like an American director working <laughs> with the Italian crew and be like, could you guys just stop talking? Cause they're not used to being quiet on set. They go back and put in all the sound effects and stuff later. Yeah. So, uh, there's the movie distant drums. U S soldiers are on the run from uh, Seminole in uh, native Americans. Sorry. <laughs> uh, Seminole native Americans. And while trudging through a swamp, one of them is bitten and dragged underwater by an alligator. Now, this guy who did the scream, uh, his name is a Sheb Woolley. 
Sheb. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, uh, why is like, it not no, called the, why is it not called a Sheb Woolly scream? Then why is it called the Wilhelm scream? I don't know. I, <laughs> I don't know why it's called the Wilhelm scream. Um, but I know that the guy's name is Sheb Woolly and I was going to say Sheb like blank, but there's nothing that is compared to S H E B. Now Sheb Woolly, some of us might know him because he's saying the flying purple people eater. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was also in the outlaw Josie Wales. Hoosiers, Rawhide, he's an actor, singer, all that stuff. Man getting bit by an alligator and he screams. Okay, quiet. Hey, quiet. Do it out for me. Okay, right here. Oh! Oh! The first one you did up here was much better. Oh! No, not, not an owl, a real scream of pain. So you, you heard there is like his first few attempts and then he got it right. And then they just kept playing it uh, for whatever movie It's kind of a joke. And now it's kind of a legacy thing that people yeah. will play that in their movies. Yeah. I, I just, I just uh, Googled it and brought up the book, the Wikipedia page for Wilhelm scream. And the reason it's called that is because the character that Sheb Woolley was playing in the film was called, it was named private Wilhelm. That's right. I do have That's that in my character. notes, but yeah. when you ask me offhand, I don't yeah. know. You blanked. You panicked. Yeah. Sorry. Um, it is a very famous scream. And like I said, like you said, I think it's become now like this sort of legacy of Hollywood. That, like if people can put it in, particularly it wasn't surprising that you listed a uh, Quentin Tarantino film two Quentin Tarantino films because he's super into that mm-hmm. sort of paying homage to the history of cinema. Um, there's also a like a emo band called Wilhelm Scream. Um, oh, OK. They, they, they named themselves after this. So. Yeah. And there's other there's some other screams that I that aren't as famous, I would assume. But that I like you'll just hear certain like I wish I could do the scream, but I'm like, I've heard that scream before. That's not from this, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. or like I want to be like I want to be the guy that did like the Wilhelm fart. <laughs> like the fart that it was I, in, I, like... think you, I think you still can be. I think it's never yeah. too late. You're a young man. Uh, I think if you train, I got the pipes for it. Yeah. <laughs> you got those loud pipes so you know yeah. your people in the queue you coming at intersections you know yeah. um yeah i uh, i think you could definitely do that i think you could be the wilhelm fart yeah because like you know picture nutty professor the clumps or whatever that is where they're farting around the table mm-hmm. or you know the the uh, bathroom scene blaze- from dumb and dumber yeah blazing saddles that was all mm-hmm. me baby that was yeah. uh and then <laughs> I always wanted to do a sketch about the guy who did all like not the scream, but did the farts and burps. And then like he was on too many drugs and he's like, and then I just shit myself right there in the studio. <laughs> and that's how I was blackballed from Hollywood. It was brown bald. He was brown, brown bald, <laughs> literally. Yeah. <laughs> Got uh, everywhere. <laughs> but that's not music. But I thought it was fun to include, especially sure. if you've heard that and you're like, oh, I've heard that before. Yeah. But uh now, I sent you this list just so you could hear the songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, first up on the docket is uh, Leonard Skinnerd, Give Me Three Steps.
Yes. I was actually very familiar with all of these songs. The only one that I had I really go back to and listen to to remind myself uh, what it was was a few one we're getting ready to talk about from Fleetwood Mac. It was okay. I'm not, I, yeah, but it, once I listened to it, I was like, oh, I've definitely heard this song. Yeah, Give Me Three Steps is a, is a classic uh Leonard Skinner song and I as always have done no research before coming That's on okay. the podcast. That's okay. It's all so on me. I'm assuming that this is a true story <laughs> that one of the Van Zant brothers like lived through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh it was uh, by the way on this on the uh the album uh there I think the first album it's called Pronounced Leonard Skinner from November 1973. Have you watched that Leonard Skinner documentary on Netflix? Um uh Black Klansman? No, no, actually it's I did watch it uh the documentary and one of the the guitarists was talking about the the whole Confederate flag and all that stuff and mm-hmm. I guess uh Ronnie Van Zant was like a huge liberal which oh, you really? wouldn't be able to tell it by you know this the the band but then also you look at their recent albums which I didn't listen to mm-hmm. but I've read the titles and like it's like yeah we 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 just flew the flag cuz it was uh a thing that we liked and and Ronnie Van Zant was a liberal, but then their recent albums are like called God and guns. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It's, it's kind of goes backwards, I guess, but that documentary on Netflix is worth uh, mm. watching. And a little tidbit from that documentary that I think a lot of people knew was that their, their name came from uh, their gym teacher, yep. Leonard Skinner. Yeah. Which did they talk about how he felt about that? Like how was uh, how the gym teacher reacted to this? No, because they probably didn't have any contact with it. Because he was like a, he was an asshole to them, mm-hmm. uh, gym teacher. Uh, they had long hair, so of course back in the day, that's a no no. You're a mm-hmm. you're a long haired hippie. Yeah. Uh, so that's why they named the band after that guy. And I just love the thought of like I hate these kids so much that I went out of my way to ruin their lives. And then they went out of their way to just name the band Leonard Skinner. So then every time you introduce somebody, somebody's like, you mean like the band, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So is there another option you could do with that? Like, have you, do you have a, a teacher from back in the day that you'd like to curse in this similar fashion? Mine would be Seymour Skinnerd. <laughs> From you know, from also, what? From, what? from what? You know, from <laughs> my real possibly, life. <laughs> what could that possibly be from? Yeah, no, that's I, that's Bart's band that he starts. Bart starts the band Seymour Skinner. <laughs> I can change, dude. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think if there was a teacher. I didn't really like have a teacher that I just hated. Mm-hmm. It would be like uh, my gym teacher. I don't know if I should say his name, but it would. Uh, it would be the Rob Kratoskas, mm-hmm. but wait, we, we not quite would... as catchy. No, no, <laughs> sounds like a, sounds like a polka band. The and Rob I Kratoskas. I didn't hate the guy, but I he was like all biz, but it was too too much business. Like we're uh-huh. we're play we're in a class where we play games, man. Like yeah, you don't yeah. have to why be you this that, serious. Why, why are you wearing that suit and tie and talking about spreadsheets? Mm-hmm. Why are you so business like? But he <laughs> he did box. he had the the Air Forces on. Air, you know okay. the Nikes, and he had uh-huh. he cut his his uh his business pants short. He cut them into short <laughs> yeah. business pants. Yeah, and the sleeves off. He had the sleeves cut off the sleeves of his suit. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I also don't think that I had any single teacher that I absolutely hated. Uh, I went to a very small school, and I think it was just one of those things like you could you couldn't really do that. Like everybody had to kind of get along. Like there yeah. weren't even really like cliques. 
mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so um, I did go to school though, where two of my teachers growing up were John Mellencamp's cousins. Okay. Uh, and they both would love to tell you what an enormous asshole John Mellencamp is and has always been since really? they were kids. Yeah. And I've, they I, both, I know they both love li- to dunk on him. Yeah. Because John Mellencamp lives in Bloomington, Indiana currently, right? He does. He lives where I live. And I was like, that sounds like the kind of guy I want to hang out with. So after I graduated, I moved here to be closer to him. <laughs> in a small town. In a small town. No, it was just coincidental. Uh, you know, I did paint my house pink and it does little, but um <laughs> No, uh, but yeah, two of my two of my teachers in high school were his cousins and were not fans of him as a human being. Yeah, but were they some hot goss on the podcast? That's some thirty year old gossip. <laughs> uh, but yeah. there's, you know, there's they say there's two sides. Maybe they're ass. Maybe because he's, you know, it certainly has his political views. Maybe they're quite the opposite. I don't know. But I've heard a lot of stuff from Bloomington townies that they're like, yeah, he's an asshole. But I'm also like. Was he an asshole? Because somebody was like, "Hey, uh, Mr. Mellencamp at Applebee's, take take a picture with me." Was he yeah. that kind of asshole, or is he just an asshole? You know. Well, I think he doesn't like it when you use his full name, Mellencamp at Applebee's. I think he likes it if you just use his preferred stage name of Coon. Mellencamp, of yeah, just Coon. Mellencamp by itself. No, uh, I understand that too. Like you know, the the burdens of fame and being bugged all the time. But these teachers were talking about like before he ever got famous, he was an asshole. Okay, like, he was he was an asshole growing up. Like yeah. from like age like ten on, they were like, "Yeah, he was just a prick." He's an so, OG. He's an OG. He's an original <laughs> gas hole. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, as as Leonard Skinner guitarist Gary Rossington tells it, lead singer Ronnie Van Zant was about eighteen at the time. Used a fake ID to get into a bar. Did you ever do that? Do you ever have a fake ID? I did not. I never had one. Did you have one? I didn't either. But it was. I was doing stand up. I started when I was 16 and I would go to bars mm-hmm. and I always looked older, still do. Uh, thanks, son. Shout out to the son. And uh, I just would never try to drink. I'm sure if I went up to the yeah. bar and I was like, give me one la- a large alcohol, mm-hmm. they'd have some questions. But I just I never tried to drink so because I was there for the comedy, you know? Yeah, I was playing in bands before I was 21 that would play at bars and the restrictions then were like we could be on stage only. So if they mm-hmm. were in a green room and if the place didn't have a green room, we basically just had to hang out in our van until it was time to go on. So you yeah. go in and you load up all your stuff and, and sound check and then you had to go sit in the van until it's time to play. Yeah. Um, but uh, same thing, like I never tried. Now I was drinking, you know, at house parties and stuff like that, but mm-hmm. I never I had never tried to um defraud the government with a fake piece of identification <laughs> i want to get a fake id but i I want to say like i'm 53 or something so people are like man you look great for 53 <laughs> also why are you just showing everybody your id all the time <laughs> <clears throat> you know I, i'm proud of it i spent yeah. my hard-earned money on it <laughs> yeah uh, but old uh old ronald van zant uses his fake id uh to get into this bar uh, with his younger bandmates, Rossington and Alan Collins, uh, they they waited in the truck. I guess they didn't have a fake ID. Can you imagine how lame that would be <laughs> to take your friend to this bar and now I'm just waiting for him to get drunk and then come out like to b- yeah. then babysit him? <laughs> and then and well, and then to tell you all the tales of what's it like in there. Yeah, let us know. You know, uh, wh- you said I could use the ID tonight. This isn't cool. Like the fake ID. Mm. Um, Van Zant danced with a girl named Linda, whose boyfriend was not happy about it. Uh, came up to Ronnie, reached for something in his boot. 
figuring he was about, it was a gun. Uh, Van Zant told him, if you're going to shoot me, it's going to be in the ass or the elbows. Just give me a few steps and I'll be gone. So he ran to the truck, uh, according to uh, the Freebird Foundation, which I had no idea was a thing, mm-hmm. uh, uh, which is run by Van Zant's widow, uh, Judy. The events of the song took place at a bar called the, L- the Little Brown Jug in uh, Jacksonville, which is where you get the lyrics. I was cutting the rug at the place called the Jug, uh, which is where Ronnie ran into that angry guy with the gun. Have you ever had that happen where you're you're uh, you've you've been a married man for a long time, but it's mm-hmm. like you're even just making conversation with somebody and you realize and, so, you know, somebody else comes out of the woodwork and is like, are you talking to my woman? Uh, I, I've never, I've not had a gun pulled on me in that context. I've had a gun pulled on me, but not in that uh, well, way. Well, now I have to ask what was, what way? It was, uh, like an attempted mugging essentially. Oh, uh, okay. Um, what? so someone pulled a gun on me and my friends and then we basically talked them out of it. Wow. You guys use the therapy method. <laughs> we, we, we really did. What's because, going on here? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, no, I don't think so. I, you know, yeah, I, I don't think I ever had like a jealous uh, man or husband ever come out of the woodwork and, and try to fight me. What about you? You're a player. You got around. I'm a player. I don't, I'm cr- not a player. You- I just crush a lot, you know? Uh-huh, yeah. Uh, no, I, uh, it wasn't me, but it was actually producer wife. And she's not the jealous type, but she, I guess I'm one that I, it, we are still dating, not married. And I'm not one to ever pick up on I, that I'm being hit on. I'd be like, be like five years later, and I'd be like, wait a minute. I mean, I've been hitting on you this entire time. And... I know you have it out. <laughs> <laughs> and and by well, it, I mean that's, that's for the Patreon. You know, yeah, we got to give them a little the something. video version. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it was like I I never would notice because I I'm always thinking like, why would anybody do that anyway? You know, but mm. uh, I'm I'm in Fountain Square in Indianapolis, uh, bars, restaurants, all the kind of stuff, and. Uh, we're at some kind of like pop-up shop where it's like handmade crafts and there's a record section. I'm over there. I pick up a Bob Seger record and this girl comes over and she says, Oh, do you like Bob Seger? And what I was, I'm just thinking she's making conversation, but I guess producer wife had her, uh, you know, her, her ears on and they perked up and she walked over and I don't remember if she said something to the girl, but she was like, are you ready to go to me? Like, Mm-hmm. To, to to make it like oh this is mine yeah. you know but it was it was one of the and then now that we'll just i'll just bring that up occasionally and i don't even i don't I'll have to say is do you like bob seeger <laughs> it's like one of those things that it's, now, it's now it's the code phrase yeah you didn't know that that was a well-known like phrase in the swinger community i didn't <laughs> like, know that yeah, yeah. <laughs> you want to get these night moves you want to you want to <laughs> turn this page huh what do you want to you want to go down my main street <laughs> yeah uh i have been the i have been in the role that producer wife was uh when i was uh dating my current wife uh mm-hmm. uh so uh we were out of the bars and like we you know we knew a ton of people there as local bar a bunch of our friends were there in different pockets and so i was across the room talking to somebody and there was a guy full-on putting the moves on her and i just kind of like let it play out because i knew it wasn't gonna and so like literally yeah. I just walk up and I'm just walk up to her. And I don't think people knew that we were dating yet also mm-hmm. as a thing. And so I was just like, Hey, you ready to go? She's like, yep. And we just like, I mean, and I just looked <laughs> at the dude and I knew the dude who was hitting on her. And I was like, Oh, I was like, see you, man. 
<laughs> yeah. It was just a little bit like, nice try. Uh, not going to happen. You know, yeah. um, that's, that's the most alpha move coming from a beta I've ever seen. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like that song goes, you know, I'm not as good as I once was, but <laughs> I'll once fight upon you. A, once I'll get upon my a time, <laughs> once upon a time, I'm still can give it up or whatever the rest of that song. Lyric <laughs> is. <laughs> I'm a man. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I do like, I liked, I wish like he would have bought her a drink and then she takes a drink, uh, of and it and it then no baby birds it into your mouth. <laughs> and then you're That's... like, then, then you get all alpha on him after having yeah. the, the yeah. fuzzy na navel or whatever like, spit in your drink. I was like, oh, you went well, you went well, <laughs> you, didn't, <laughs> you, you ain't going top shelf on this. No. Uh, here's my thing. Getting back to the song, uh, what a what a missed opportunity to call the song asses and elbows <laughs> yeah this actual quote was you know you're gonna shoot me but it's gonna be in the ass or the elbow i, I yeah think ass or elbow is uh, way catchier than give me three steps well probably back in the day you couldn't say asses or elbows on the radio even though mm. we'll have uh, and a uh, and a few songs will have a bunch of f slurs Okay. So. <laughs> oh, good well let's just jump forward to that one shall let's we let's just do that but it is weird it's like oh we can't say asses and elbows but uh we'll play uh you know a song about murder on the radio or whatever mm. it's like yeah you, we we don't want geico to get mad at us or whatever yeah exactly it's like one of my favorite jokes from an indiana comic is uh from dj dangler who i think is a genius he yeah dj's been on the program just a great comic and he has that bit about uh He's like, I got hired to do a comedy show and they said I had to work PG-13. And what that meant is I could say the F word once, but during my set, I could kill as many brown people as I wanted. <laughs> yeah, it is definitely like that where it's like, hey, don't swear, but murder as much as you want. Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, now let, let's go our own way to Fleetwood okay. Mac. All right. Uh, from uh, February uh, 4th, 1977. Now, I just mentioned the title of this one, but Lindsey Buckingham, along with girlfriend Stevie Nicks, joined Fleetwood Mac in 74 after uh, releasing their first album with the band. The two drifted apart, leading to a breakup very close quarters. Following the breakup that came out with this album, the people would probably... You could, if somebody said this is in the top 50 albums of all time, I don't think anybody would argue with you, but it's yeah. the, the album Rumors. Yes. Um, is this the song that you want to talk about? Because you sent me a different song. I sent you two different ones. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. No, I don't want people to think that I was unfamiliar with Go Your Own Way, a song that yeah. has been played a, a billion times. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, and I, I did this one so we can talk about the other one. So okay, gotcha. in, in an interview with Buckingham, he stated that uh, uh, almost as a stream of consciousness, that's how the song started. He intended to use the lyrics as the beginning of a conversation with Nix in order to digest and move forward with their breakup. He was initially inspired by the Rolling Stone song Street Fighting Man, taking notice of the song's beat, continually moving from snare to tom. Now, that last part is uh, I'm not musically inclined, so I mm -hmm. thought that was cool to include. But I, I don't listen to music in that way. I don't have a music brain, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So so he writes, go your own way. But uh, then we have Silver Springs, which is written by Stevie Nicks. And here's a little bio, because they're in this band, they're dating, and then it goes bad. But then you're like, I'm still in this band, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so 97, Stevie Nicks and Lindsey Buckingham's romance uh, uh, should have been ancient history, but the pair... They'd split up a, a few decades prior and then came out with rumors. 
Uh, but during a taping of a Fleetwood Mac reunion uh, show later released as The Dance, this is why I included this song, because producer wife, this is her favorite band. Okay. Uh, and it was our, we've been to two concerts, uh, one post and pre-COVID, one was Fleetwood Mac, and then the other was Stevie Nicks. <laughs> so, and if you've ever mm -hmm. been to either one, you know that there's no lack of uh, amateur witches and mm -hmm. top hats and mm -hmm. uh, and uh, people twirling shawls mm -hmm. and all that good concerts nice. both of them but mm -hmm. uh look up uh, dear listener the version of uh, it's called the dance and the song's called silver springs because uh there's a there's a lot that I'll read here this is the most deep diviest of all the songs but she this is a breakup song and she sings it to his face Mm -hmm. like just directly staring at him. And uh, so the, the, the lyrics are, some of them are time casts a spell on you, but you won't forget me. I know I could have loved you, but you would not let me. I'll follow you down to the sound of my voice will haunt you. You'll never get away from the sound of the woman that loves you. So now this is like a B side. This wasn't on the album. Yeah. And let's uh, talk about that. Like, cause Again, like just the power dynamics and the shifting power dynamics and that mm -hmm. band would, I mean, we could do an entire episode just about the meanings behind most Fleetwood Mac songs. Cause there's this not only between the two of them, but then also with Chris, uh, Christine McVie and her husband. And then yep. there's like a bunch of swapping going around and like Stevie winds up with Mick Fleetwood for a while. And I mean, it's just, you know, this is what they're famous for really almost secondary to their songs. Um, but yeah. So the fact that she wrote this, like, he writes go your own way mm -hmm. and then she writes a rebuttal and yeah. then probably because of Lindsay Buckingham's control of the band at that point, he was like, well, that's not going to make the album. <laughs> well, and uh, the, there are reasons because I guess uh, Mick Fleetwood pulled her into the parking lot mm -hmm. and she said, it's never good when he pulls you into the parking lot. It's something serious. Yeah. She, there was already songs that she had on the album, uh, including uh, now I'm trying to find it specifically gold dust woman, and there were other, and the, also back in the day when you just had a record, it was mm -hmm. 22 minutes per side. So the, now we don't have to worry about time constraints of it's a download, it's whatever. But it's like you had 44 minutes essentially to put on an album. Mm -hmm. And he, he pulls her in the parking lot and he says, we just don't have enough room. And he's like, we can we can take some other songs from it off the album, put y y this on because. Uh, also, it was not only a time constraint, but it was also, you know, Lindsay's got his songs on it. Uh, Christine McVie's got her songs. They didn't want to like have it be out of balance where there's more Stevie songs than whatever, right. you know. Um, and, uh, you know, apparently, you know, you break up and then some you see somebody banging somebody else. It doesn't go too well, as mm -hmm. you can imagine. Uh, yes. No, this is from the unless you're into that. <laughs> yeah, unless you're uh, into getting cucked, by all mm -hmm. means. Yeah, but this is from uh, their the album's producer. Uh, Lindsay was the guy who laid all those big colors on the record, so you have to imagine it's an odd position for him to be in. He's mad at her. The song's about them being mad, but it's uh, good art. You can you can tell by the the way those guitar parts are on there that it's just it's a piece of art. So it's like. Weird to be playing on a song that's about you mm. and your hurt and your heartbreak, and then now create art over it. Yeah, now put a really rad solo and and <laughs> 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 oh, 
Although I will say the solo on Silver Springs, this is the one that I had to go back and re-listen to because I wasn't yeah. super familiar with it. But the once the chorus hit, I was like, oh, okay, I do know this. The guitar solo on on Silver Springs is a little weird. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's a it's not the it's not a shredding. Uh, and so I think he did like, okay, you here's my solo. Yeah, I'm gonna put a little wah wah solo in this. <laughs> little stank on it, but not enough well, stank on it. Yeah, you know? like uh, yeah, this will be technically a solo. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, but yeah, definitely it's it's an interesting song too. And I was thinking about like the lyrics of it. I mean, you 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 hit it like where she's singing it directly to his face. Yeah. Like cuz the lyrics are pretty intense. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm gonna like haunt it's about you. Haunt you. I'm going to haunt you. <laughs> you know, just perfectly healthy breakup mm-hmm. uh psychology, you know. And also um, two decades after to just let me look at you, Derek, you know. But I mean, as we've gotten to scratch the surface on this a little bit, I mean, obviously this became way bigger. If, if it had just been on the album, it probably wouldn't have been that intense. Yeah. Although maybe she was being a performer. Maybe she was, you know, embodying that space again mm-hmm. for this tour and for this reunion tour and everything. But the fact that, yeah, that she wound up quitting the band over this because Mick Fleetwood wouldn't let her put it on her solo album. Yeah. Because he wanted it to be on in a box set retrospective. And so imagine like she wrote the song. But I guess yeah. everybody else played on it. And so then the, the Mick Fleetwood did have some say in it since the rest of the band played on it. I'm like, mm-hmm. no, you can't put that on your solo. But yeah, just all kinds of fuckery going on there. And it's also, she she didn't own the rights to the song. She gave the song to her mom as a thank you. So is that the, the only mom... one or is the, I did, did she do it? I feel like she gave a lot of the rights of her songs to her mom, didn't she? It, I know specifically that this one is mm. was given to her mom. And so, so then Mick Fleetwood's even like, your mama not getting paid? Yeah, Nobody getting yeah. paid. I just, uh, out of all the songs, I don't know. Why couldn't it be on both? Yeah. Like, what yeah. What does it matter? Yeah, exactly. You think it wouldn't. Uh, and then, then we get the back and forth of, uh, you know, just the the fighting. Uh, so the the primary, uh, primary exposure to the B-side, uh, Go Your Own Way, uh, Buckingham's own expression of anger and revenge against Nick's where he claimed that, uh, quote, packing up, shacking up is all you want to do, end quote. The song would become one of the band's biggest hits. And then Nikki says he knew it wasn't true. It was just an angry thing that he said, uh, the packing up, shacking up line. Every time those words would come out on stage, I'd want to go over and kill him. <laughs> he knew it. He really pushed my buttons through it. It was like, I'll make you suffer for leaving me. And I did. Yeah. So, I mean, she's very clear. She's like, not once did I ever pack up. And yeah, I was shacking up for sure. 
<laughs> no, maybe not. I mean, I'm making a joke there. I don't want to say that she because I don't want her to come over and punch me in the face uh, when she hears this podcast. <laughs> uh, we actually almost had to cut Silver Springs from this podcast. I pulled you out <laughs> in the parking lot. It was a whole thing. I know. I fought for it, Stevie. I said, no, <laughs> this is too good of a story. But the, I think that, you know, it's the overall drama of the band and the breakup. And now it's like. I'm sure they weren't touring in a van, but it's like, hey, we just broke up. Let me sit across from you and yeah, you know, share yeah, art I, with you. Yeah, they still had to be around each other hours, at a, you know, several hours of a day through rehearsal and like, or, you know, like sound check and stuff like that. And then yeah. performing, you know, like, so it's definitely still not great. I think it, this is not even in the list, I don't think, because it's not a specific song, but it's like the Isley brothers. The two brothers wound up hating each other so much that they had separate tour buses. Okay, so they're, uh, they're Andre they're, 3000 and Big Boy. Yes, apparently. yeah, but I mean, but but like these are brothers. These are like, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's yeah, that's crazy. For Where sure. it's like, yeah, we don't even. We're just here for the. We'll say hello on stage, and we won't even do that. Well, yeah, they. I don't even think they look at each other on stage, and so like they. It, it's such a weird thing. It's a weird like, dynamic, and yeah. I don't. I think uh, Andre. Let me clarify, Dre 3000 and Big Boy. I think they like each other. <laughs> Yeah, I, I just want to clarify. I think they that. got back around to liking each other. Yeah. So, but it's um, also, it's, you've been around people for long periods of time. And that, like, what you, the last thing you want to do at a certain point is like, you're hanging on your, your friend for months on tour. And then mm -hmm. you want to go hang out? No, not with no. you. I've yeah, seen exactly. you enough. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And then, I mean, like, it doesn't even have to be that long. Like, this podcast has been 36 minutes so far and yep. uh, that we've been on together. And uh, I'm I'm ready to have a break, honestly. Wrap so. it up, dog. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, here's my rebuttal to you, is that I will always love you, Matt Milano Martin. I'll think of you each step of the way. I thought you were going to say that this podcast will haunt me. For yeah, that too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, uh, great transition. Yes, I, I stepped on it. You will always love me. Can you? Can you do? I I need you to hit the note though. Can you hit the note? <coughs> uh, no, I can't. Uh, but we're talking about Dolly Parton. Uh, and I don't. Uh, do you feel like there's been a Dolly uh renaissance recently? Like she's all people have always liked her, but I feel like the fandom is grown even more in here in 2023 yeah i think i think definitely well not just in 2023 i think over the last couple of years yeah uh, like they definitely she's kind of been elevated to sainthood and the mm -hmm. way that um we've seen like you know like betty white got a yep. whole new life on the internet where people just like fell in love with her and and everything she did and you know ruth bader ginsburg i think there's a lot of these kind of people that got a big boost in the last five to ten years on the internet where I, possibly through memes really mm -hmm. but i think in dolly's case she just continues to be super awesome and like she does you know people interview her about hot button topics and she's always got the best take and not only the best take but the best quote 
about it yeah. too you know and she's doing dope shit like you know she's saving libraries and you know funding a vaccine and funding a funding vaccine a microchips and, and you know yeah <laughs> single-handedly like paying for the rebuilding of a town that was wiped out in like wildfires i mean like she's kind of killing it like it's gonna be yeah yeah like it's gonna take something i don't know if there's anything that could like take the shine off dolly really mm-hmm. well and it, like i'm such a fan of certain bands and stuff and and now we live in a in a world where it's oh did you hear news came out that so and so is a piece of shit yeah and it's like I'm like please please Metallica don't say anything <laughs> they're like did you read the new Metallica interview no I didn't I just want to enjoy my things that I like and I want to bury my head in the sand when it comes yeah. to certain things <laughs> hey have you seen the new uh, box set la 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 ver- la la <laughs> extended version of some kind of monster <laughs> I I do like that whole album. And yes, you, but do you, you thought like, you could get me? Do you like the documentary film though that goes yeah, with it? I did, yeah. but okay. it's it's also it's not the band's high point. It's but, not no. But I digest. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have Dolly Parton's "I Will Always Love You," which of course is you know people know the song. It's the Whitney Houston version. Uh, but Dolly recorded it twice before that. It went to number one in 1974 and again in 1982 when she re-recorded it for the Best Little Hua House. In Texas, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it went to number one again for the body car bodyguard soundtrack in '92 when Whitney Houston did it. But uh, she didn't write the song from a romantic breakup. It was actually written no. about a professional one. Do you know this backstory, Matt? It's it's about Porter Wagner, right? Yeah, it's about her and Porter Wagner. And I thought, was it the end of their uh, working together, or was it when he was sick and dying in the hospital? Because she also wrote a song for him then too. But I don't remember if it was this one. As far as I know, is the business relationship. Okay. So in 73, uh, Porter Wagner, her mentor, on-screen duet partner, had agreed. She just agreed to star in his TV show, The Porter Wagner Show, for five years. And it went well, but she was ready to move on. Unfortunately, he wasn't ready to move on so much. And mm-hmm. they're button, they were butting heads about the situation. So she says, there was a lot of grief and heartache there. And I just wasn't listening uh, to reasoning. Uh, for he wasn't listening to my reason for going. I thought, well, uh, uh, well, why don't you d- do your uh, hold on? I thought, well, why don't you do what you do best? Why don't you just write the song? So I went home, uh, very emotional place, and I wrote, I will always love you. The next day, I came in, uh, walked to, to the back of the office, and just asked Porter if he could hear her out for a minute. She's saying, I will always love you. And Porter was overcome with emotion. He started crying, she told the Tennessean. Uh, When I finished, he said, well, hell, if you feel that strong about it, just go on, providing I get to produce that record because it's the best (laughs) thing you ever wrote. So, So, yeah, he's like, uh, I will let you go, but only if you let me get uh, a little piece of that pie that's about to come off of the song. If you let me get back and a little, uh, let me get points on that for the rest of time. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah. Well, and then that's maybe she re-recorded it and they're like, play the one without him. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. I don't know. No, I think that they remained friends until the end when he died, I believe. Here's the thing is that the song went to number one, of course, mm-hmm. and Dolly and Porter uh, even went on to perform it together at a, a special Grand Ole Opry show. And she reportedly sang it to him one final time the day he died in 2007. Mm-hmm. So okay. it, it seemed like That's there good. was no beef, but 
Yeah. Can you imagine being like, I'm about to die and this song has already made me cry once and then I'm going to sing it to you? God, my God, like, yeah. I, I'm I'm going to cry just thinking about it. I know. Well, and also as I'm like looking at the Wikipedia here, also the fact that she wrote Jolene on the same day that she wrote, I will always love you. That's what I read. I read that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, man, like getting worked up emotionally is good for the old songwriting process, I guess, you know, apparently. And it's, yeah. it's one where it's like as a creative, and I'm sure you're the same way too, where I've like, uh, the, you know, that Wednesday in March, man, I was hitting on all cylinders. And I think back, what did I do? Did I eat spaghetti that day? Oh Did yeah, you try to like, unlock the magic of it. Like like yeah. when you have a like when you have a perfect set, like when you really like have a perfect set on stage, mm -hmm. you're like, what what did I have for dinner beforehand? How long did I eat that before I went on? Yep. What socks, what socks was I wearing? <laughs> <laughs> it's that the baseball. I'm gonna not I'm not gonna wash these underwear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what I try to do is I try to end my relationship with Porter Wagner before yeah. I go to do something <laughs> huge and creative. Yeah. Uh, as I scroll down here, I also see a nice little uh, piece of drama here, which is good, which is that uh, Elvis Presley indicated he wanted to cover the song and Parton was interested until Presley's manager, Colonel Tom Parker, uh, told her that it was standard procedure for the songwriter to sign over half of the publishing rights to any song Elvis recorded. Parton, being the badass that she is, mm -hmm. refused. Hell yeah, you refused. Yeah, Imagine strong like trying to take. Yeah, I mean, this is after she already had a number one hit with it and it won the Grammy. For it that year, hey, he's like, me, yo, we're yeah. gonna need half of that. No, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, can you imagine? Was it Colonel Parker? Yeah, hello, black artists. Can I sign over the rights to these songs? <laughs> yeah, uh huh. Like, yeah, but then I'm sure some people would be like, I'm not doing much on my own. Let me. Let me get half those Elvis royalties. I mean, well, that's the thing is like, if you were if you were an unknown songwriter. Mm -hmm. And like that wasn't already a hit song, then yeah, they, why not do it? You know? Yeah. But yeah, this, but the other way around, like, no, I don't think so. Yeah. It's already, yeah. It's, um, let me, let me cover cashmere by Led Zeppelin and hope it's a hit. Yeah. You know, <laughs> let me, let me retweet this song with me in it and essentially ride the coattails. Yeah. Uh, I think you should do it. We go from coattails, Maddie cakes. Mm -hmm. To mm -hmm. some plain white tees with the mm -hmm. uh, hey there, Delilah. Now, the I think song... it's a great look. It's a great look when you have a plain white tee uh, with tails, uh, not coattails, but tuxedo <laughs> tails. With tails, a tuxedo jacket. Yeah, a tuxedo jacket with tails and then just a plain white tee underneath it. I think that's a solid look and you should do that for your next comedy special. I think, but I sweat so much, it's going to turn into a wet t shirt contest. That's exactly why I suggested it. <laughs> yeah, push them together, daddy. Yeah. Uh. So, uh, we have hey there, Delilah, and her. her it's that's a she's a real person, Delilah. Uh, De Crescenzo is her name, and it, this was the summer of two thousand seven. So the song I believe was written in two thousand five, but it didn't really hit till two thousand seven, according to uh, an article in uh, Columbia College Today. Uh, the real Delilah, a competitive cross-country runner and graduate of Columbia, never dated guitarist frontman Tom uh, Higginson. He wrote the song, uh, and I guess he was introduced to her at a party. And he mm -hmm. said, uh, I, or she says, I thought she was, or he said, I thought she was the most beautiful girl I've ever seen. I told her, I have a song about you already. Obviously, there was no song, but I thought it was smooth. And yeah, I, I do agree. It's smooth. Yeah. You ever written yeah. a song for a person? 
Yeah, plenty of times. Yeah. Yeah, who? Uh, I've written a song for my wife. Mm-hmm. I've written a song for um, uh, my mom. I've written yeah. songs for my, my mom. Uh, Did you play this song for your wife, about your wife to your wife? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's been a long time since I played. Uh, I mean, my current my current music project is like a yelling punk thing that nobody wants me to play it to the, their face. Uh, yeah. So now just uh, sit there yeah, quiet. Hold on. Let me doing, yell at you. <laughs> yeah. When I was doing more like the singer songwriter thing. Yeah. I, I played it to, to her and uh, you know, and I actually, I remember the song I wrote for my mom, I recorded and put it on a CD and gave it to her like on mother's day or something like that. And did you know. she cry? I, I don't think she cried, but I think she, she was, she was very touched. She did really like it a lot. So, well, that's like, that's not a, a you know, a, a target stop. You can't just go buy a song. Yeah. Now yeah. probably you can do that. There's like, go on cameo. I'm sure somebody will write oh, you a song. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I really like this Canadian band called stars and it's like a, there's two sort of primary songwriters in it, a guy and a girl. And the guy the last year was just like, I will just, if you pay me a thousand dollars, I'll write a song for you about whatever mm-hmm. you want. And like, he was just trying to like flip the script on how you did Patreon and like that sort of idea of like engaging yeah. with fans. And so he set, I think a limit that he would only do like 20 of them or something like that. But I'm he did. only going to make $20,000. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I mean, he wrote and fully produced, wrote, recorded and fully produced these songs for people yeah. in his home studio. And then it was theirs. To, and he was like, there's to do with whatever they wanted. I thought it was super mm-hmm. cool. I didn't buy one because I didn't have a thousand dollars laying around, but yeah. Um, but yeah, no. Uh, what about you? Have you ever written a joke for some? Somebody? I've written jokes about people, but never but for I, them. You've no, never been like, "Hey, this dick joke's for you." This one, and I, I every re- time I do it on stage, I'm thinking about you. Yeah, this one's for you. This puds for you. <laughs> um, no, but I, I also I tend to write about things that I love. So unless unless it's like I'm overly stating, "Hey, I hate this," which I I talk about how. You know, I ghost hunting shows are all the same, but the thing is, I also really like those shows, but it's yeah. my angle on stage is making fun of them a little bit, you know? Yeah. It's like the same thing of like that saying that no one hates Star Wars, like Star Wars fans. Oh, like, yeah. We we all love to kind of critique the thing that we are mm-hmm. obsessed with, you know, like it comes from a place of love or at least of obsession and deep interest for sure. So, yeah. and you have a lot of jokes about your wife, you know, so like that's something that you love and your cats. So yeah, mm-hmm. you, you've done it. Yeah. I write about what I love. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so so she says it didn't work. I wasn't interested. I was dating somebody, uh, but then uh, it had the seed was planted. It took Higginson a year to write the song, and then "Hey There, Delilah" was released in two thousand five. Two years later, it jumped to the top of the charts, and from July third uh, to July twenty seventh, two thousand seven, it was the most downloaded song on iTunes. So that's a narrow scope, but I remember when this song came out and it was just like, it was everywhere. You couldn't not hear Delilah yeah, on the radio, you know? Yeah. No, uh, 100%. Like the song was absolutely everywhere. And, uh, you know, and it's one of those things where it's, it's perfectly fine as a song. I think now, because it's been a minute since I heard it, if I heard it come on the radio now or something, be like, ah, it's all right. You know, it's yeah. a, it's a decent little, you know, like ballady kind of thing. Um, I love that she was just like it didn't work, and then I went on with my <laughs> I went on with my life. <laughs> yeah, it's like because I heard the the kind of the backstory of this song, but I never knew it was like oh it didn't take they never even dated, but they did go to the 2008 Grammy Awards together. So that's oh they good. did 
Okay, yeah. that's that's nice that she did that. I like that she has her own Wikipedia page and it has nothing to do with this. It's all about her like being a kick-ass athlete. Yeah, she's uh yeah she's at the U.S. cross-country uh, runner where she's doing the championships and doing all kinds of stuff. She's sponsored by Puma. Is is this guy sponsored by Puma? I don't think so. I don't think so. Maybe she'll she'll have a better career than he will. But I yeah. I doubt what he I I'm reading now that he had to sell half his rights to uh, Elvis Presley. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, also what's interesting is uh, I'm now reading that where she you know she did attend the 2008 Grammy Award show as his guest, which is you know it's nice that she went and did that. Um, the song was nominated for 2008 Song of the Year. Um, it was one uh, they lost out though to Amy Winehouse for Rehab, who mm-hmm. also brought the topic of her song with her. So, well, there you go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Have you seen that video of her like pulling cocaine out of her beehive and doing it on stage? And no, the song? no, it's it's the you know I don't know. We probably shouldn't speak a little of the dead, but there's a but video she footage did of her it, like she performing. Did it. She's performing on stage and she reaches into her beehive and pulls out a little packet of something and thinks she's turned around. Yeah, and it does a little bump, but just that's where she kept it. She just kept it in the beehive. You're the leader of a band that's currently playing. There's no <laughs> sneakiness to yeah. anything, you know. Yeah, it does remind me of a uh, related story, some related story of someone someone thinks they're not being seen, but a friends of mine went and saw Iron Maiden perform, and they had the kind of seats in the stadium where they were sort of to the side of the stage mm-hmm. and up. And so um, during like one of the guitar solos, like Bruce Dickinson runs uh, off to the side of the stage the side that they're on. And there's like a little like pop up tent kind of thing like you would have in your backyard for, you know, uh, you know, having a cookout or something. Yeah. And so in there, there's like a little like miniature green room kind of station for him that's got like a fan blowing and waters and stuff like that mm-hmm. they also like had a mirror and like he took these wipes and he was wiping sweat like off of his face and also off of his ears he was like mm-hmm. they were like doing this weird like sweat like sweat removal that, thing yeah. and then like they realized the people in the audience could see him and they looked up and he's like oh <laughs> and then he <laughs> had to run back on stage and sing but what he thought was a private moment was a bunch of people had their cell phones out just taping him with his little yeah. <laughs> makeup removal sweat white things. <laughs> it's and that's one of my favorite bands and I've seen them a couple times and it I w- I wouldn't have been surprised if you're like he put on like half a batman mask and then came out and sang this this certain song or whatever. Yeah, no, that just you, put on a mask for no reason and it's yeah. sing. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's just got to keep it interesting for himself, you know. Well, yeah, you got to, you know, so and then sometimes you got to wipe off all the sweat and whatever, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, yeah, hey there, Delilah. Oh well, it's, it's interesting. Uh, it's interesting that that's the most downloaded song because like there can't be that many people named Delilah. It's like... Well, there's a one radio host for sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But then I well because and then she talks about she's like I was at the gym, I was at the grocery store, and just hearing the song about you playing has got to be weird, you know? Yeah, I mean it's like every time I hear WAP, I'm like, ladies, did you have to make Please. that song about me? Oh God. You are K around a bucket and a mop. So that's I, uh... that's true. That is my day job. So <laughs> uh let's go to the Beatles. Um and nope. a, and a, the 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 book uh, Hard Days Right, W-R-I-T-E. Mm. Uh, Oof, that was a stretch. <laughs> there you go. We're talking about Ticket to Ride, Stephen Turner, mm. the guy who wrote that book. As uh, you know, said that it's about the Isle of Wight, uh, or White, sorry, mm-hmm. and uh, it's about the British uh, railways. So McCartney said to his biographer, 
that uh, yeah it's kind of about about that uh and his cousin lived on this island and all that stuff so it's a, you know it's about an island or whatever or here's the more fun part Mm-hmm. Don Short, who traveled with the Beatles in the 60s, recalled that John Lennon coined the phrase ticket to ride for another meeting, uh, meaning the girls who worked the, the streets in Hamburg had to have clean bill of health and uh, authorities would give them a card saying they were clean. Don later said that although he specifically recalls John telling him that John could not could have been joking because uh, he was funny like that. But mm-hmm. ticket to ride. So it's like your grandma may love this song. This is a, you know, most Mm -hmm. people like the Beatles and it's, they don't, you know, they don't say, uh, you know, let's bang. They say, I want (laughs) to hold your hand, you know, like it's that Beatles. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I want to, I want to hold your, your, sorry. I'm going to touch that fat dumper girl. Yeah. See That that doesn't really fit the song, you know, know? (laughs) but she's got a ticket to ride. Yeah, it's a, I, you know, it, it definitely it can very quickly can you can see the uh, the innuendo there for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then also, as I'm reading up here on it a little bit, too, you know, there's other people that have interpreted the song to be about a woman leaving her boyfriend to become a prostitute. So not mm-hmm. even just about the 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 certification system for prostitutes, but she's going to go get that ticket to ride. Yeah. Um, I don't know. You say it could be your grandma's favorite song, but also, you know, people forget that their grandparents uh, have had sex before. And so maybe grandma likes a little innuendo. Maybe she's like, yeah, when I was when I was 15, when this came out, we were like, oh, ticket to ride. We know what you're saying. All right. Well, so many grandparents act like they've never had sex before. Is this I think it's a meme, but it's like, you know, she's looking down on you for dressing provocatively, but yet she's got eight kids. Yeah. (laughs) Like. Yeah, she's had sex somewhere along the way. But also those eight kids were all, you know, to the one man under the authorization of God. So, yeah. And legally she couldn't leave. So what are you going to do? You know? (laughs) Yeah, it's really that's really this. She's not she's not judgmental as much as she is like upset and jealous. Yeah, I would have been divorced like you. Yeah. Back in my day, we fixed things. We didn't quit. I had great ankles. You think I wouldn't have liked to show off my ankles? I had amazing (laughs) ankles. (laughs) I moisturize these ankles, <laughs> but you ought to know, Matt, you ought to know uh-huh. from Alanis Morissette. Okay. Everyone knows the backstory on this one. And then I, I kind of knew it, but I didn't really know like, okay. Cause the song apparently in the whole album, Jagged Little Pill, which sold 10 million copies and more, mm-hmm. which that's a crazy number to think about, especially now it's like, how many albums did they sell Four, because nobody's buying albums, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but Dave Coulier was is he Uncle Joey? He's Uncle Joey. Uh, he oh, was driving. Uh, maybe is he Uncle Joey? I think he's Uncle. Yeah, I never watched that show. He's he's one of the uncles on Full uh, House. Full House. Thank you. I was gonna say America's Funniest Home Videos. I was gonna <laughs> I was gonna take the six degrees to get there. I was gonna be like, <laughs> Uh, the one guy, the young guy in the Beach Boys, and uh, then Mike Love. <laughs> yeah, uh, yep, that's the one. <laughs> so apparently, Dave Coulier was driving in Detroit when he first heard the song. Uh, and he said, he said, Hey, wait, wait a minute. I, I recognize that voice. Oh no, I can't be this guy. <laughs> so he pulls over at a record store, buys the album. And he said, there was a lot of familiar stuff in there, uh, that, that her and I talked about like, uh, right in the song, right through you, she'd say, uh, you shake your shake is like a fish. 
And what, so what he means by that is I'd always say, Hey, dead fish me. And then we do a weird dead fish handshake. Oh, okay. so it's like a kind of like an inside joke type I thing. Thought, I thought you were going to be so like, that's how he liked to have sex with her. All like right. Like a dead fish. Like a dead fish. Yeah. Dead Don't fish move means. and stink real bad. Uh, yeah. So I started okay. listening. I'm going to wrap it. you and I'm going to wrap you a newspaper first. <laughs> 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 and then I'm going to have a cooler beer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I started listening to it. And I thought, oh, I, I think I may have really hurt this woman. And mm-hmm. uh, that was my first thought. So, yeah, I mean, you dated for two years. And also, here's something I didn't know about. Uh, mm-hmm. They dated in 92 when she was 18 and he was 33. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's called that's Hollywood, a, baby. Huh? That's a, I mean, she's legally uh, allowed to do that. And so mm-hmm. is he. But it's also... You'd probably be looked at a little bit funny now, but nobody wants to think about that with Uncle Joey, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think that uh, Uncle Joey just recognized that uh, this 18-year-old had a ticket to ride, and he was <laughs> he was ready to punch that ticket. <laughs> well, I mean, and even think about, so they started when she was uh, 18. Mm-hmm. They dated till she was 20, and then she that album came out, I think, when she was 21. Mm-hmm. Either way, if my numbers aren't correct, she was still under 25 and re- and wrote a you know 10 million uh, album selling record. Do you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's and it's also weird because now like being 33 and I'm like so and so is doing so well at 22, and I'm like, well, it's over for the kid. Yeah, I can't do it. <laughs> Nobody's ever done anything when they're over 30, and I'm not even that old. But it's like in perspective, you know. Yeah, and that's why you have me on is to make yourself feel better. Because uh, right, 40, I'm 49 and I ain't done shit. So. <laughs> well, you've been on this podcast. That's something, dog. Oh, is it? <laughs> no. Okay, here's uh, here's our last one. Okay. Uh, and it's uh, Money for Nothing from uh, Dire Straits. Yeah, uh, you know, I did like the song when it came out, and I'm older, so I do remember what a big deal this was when it came out, and particularly the music video, because it had these mind-blowing computer-generated graphics that you guys, you guys have never seen anything like this. It is unreal. It is so unreal. Man, this is the future. It's Windows 95 screensaver. It's giant, blocky, it's Minecraft people. (laughs) in this music video now Uh, it would be like unique because somebody would request give me the money for nothing video graphics that's what i want you know yeah it would be like the thing of like when when special effects are shitty on purpose yeah now Uh, it's like south park still looks like south park now even though it looked shitty back then you know yeah exactly so yeah and i think this was based on a a true story right like that mark knopfler had some because they were already pretty successful uh, at least in their native england Mm -hmm. Uh, so he had some money he had money to throw around and uh he had like movers or something at his house and mtv was on and they were the movers not maybe knowing that he was also a professional musician Mm -hmm. were talking shit about uh, the musicians on MTV. Is that correct? Yeah. Well, he was in like in an appliance store in New York okay. City. Gotcha. And, you know, there's TVs, dryers and and fridges and 
all that mm -hmm. stuff that you would have at a Best Buy today, you know, mm -hmm. and this guy's moving in stuff and he's making comments about MTV. So he's like, he wrote the song essentially in the store about lines like, uh, what are those Hawaiian noises? <laughs> that ain't working. And so I pulled up the, the lyrics to this song uh -huh. and uh, and now the window's closed. So I got to Google it again, but it's like, imagine a blue collar guy, much like in the video, like a uh, cigar mm -hmm. uh, overalls commenting on MTV, like, that ain't working. That's how this is how what you gotta do is you gotta learn to play guitar. Yeah. You gotta you gotta like money for nothing, the chicks for free. Like this guy's like, this is the life, essentially, you know? Yeah. But no, then also, but uh, also making fun of them. them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like yeah. uh the this is where the uh, those F slurs come in. Uh -huh, yeah. <laughs> Whereas like you ever like it would even be like 10, 15 years ago, and you hear the F slur on the radio, I'm like, wow, like we're yeah. still doing that, huh? Well, it's okay because he was quoting this other character. It's not Knopfler saying it. He's it's he's just accurately reporting what I the mean, guy said. Technically, yes, he is, but it's also it's like you don't try to bleep that uh, on current radio anymore. I don't. I don't know that they still play that song. I'm sure they bleep it now. But and it's just the, the weird chorus is we got uh, we got to install microwave ovens, custom kitchen deliveries. Like this guy's still a blue collar worker, but then commenting on you know the, these MTV types. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to look up what the music video was that they, that the, the blue collar guys were making fun of, like where I said, it's Hawaiian noises banging on the bongos, like a chimpanzee. I'm trying to see what was the music video playing at the time. It, and it, it might've been over the course of a couple of videos of right, moving yeah. in stuff, but yeah. What, who says Hawaiian noises? What are those yeah. Hawaiian noises? <laughs> it's, it's great though. And here's the thing is like, yeah, this blue collar guy is unknowingly writing this hit song for this other musician. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's, it's a inadvertent version of one of my favorite things in music, which is that Debbie Gibson's dad wrote all of her songs. Oh, really? And there's a comedian who had a bit about it, about like, just, you know, there's like a, there's like a 40 year old guy, like mowing the lawn with his, you know, shorts and his black socks up to his knees, like electric youth. Oh, that's good. I need to write that down. <laughs> <laughs> it, it It is like one of those things. Cause like when I learned the backstory, this is like a guy commenting on, like, I'm sure it's a, like a lot of family members that I have, like, oh, he, he's just up there. My dad says it all the time. He, he goes to the comedy club and acts a fool air quotes. That's what <laughs> he, so it's like, I've, I know this guy. I know the guy that's yeah. like, he ain't working a real job. Yeah. He's not working as hard as me. And like, yeah, yeah, I, I try not to <laughs> like, I, I'm trying to pursue arts and I, I'm, I don't really want my back to hurt all the time, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Not yeah. that I look down on those jobs, but I'm like, yeah, why wouldn't I do this? Well, it's kind of like us, like looking down on uh, TikTok stars who then blow up and become famous and then sell out huge comedy clubs all the time. We look yeah. down on them, but of course we wouldn't mind doing that as ourselves, you know. What are those trending noises? Play <laughs> hey, the bongos on the MTV. <laughs> you got a filter make you look like a chimpanzee. <laughs> We're writing a song now. We can do that. Yeah. Here's the here's the last one, dear listener, and, and Maddie Cakes, uh, in the air tonight from Phil Collins. Now, before you even say anything, I brought this up on the uh, the music conspiracy theories episode. Yes, according to the the uh, 
according to uh, the lyrics are based uh, on a drowning incident in which someone who was close enough to save the victim did not help them while Collins was too far away to actually help looked on increasingly uh, embellished variations on the legend emerged over time with the stories often uh, culminating in Phil Collins singing or uh, singling out the person at a concert and singing the song directly (laughs) to them Mm. at the concert. Yes. Like he recognized the person after all those years. And it was like, I wrote this song about you being a piece of shit and not saving that drowning person. And it's all lies. It's all bogus. It's all great. Like a pre-internet like conspiracy Uh, just through the, through the rumor mill, how this got passed around before the internet was a thing is pretty amazing. I still choose to believe the drowning story (laughs) because it's much more fun for like, Let's just say spotlight on Phil Collins, spotlight on guy in the audience, and I'm going to sing it to you. Very much Stevie Nicks to Lindsey Buckingham. <laughs> sing it right to you. Never never call you out publicly or report you to the cops. I don't know what you can do uh, in that in that way, but I like that story so much better than I was going through a divorce, which is what mm-hmm. he said, and I don't really know what the song means. Yeah, I think, well, first of all, I think that's, I think the feeling of drowning, I think is, is, is really appropriate for people that are going through a divorce. So I, 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 you know, you've, you haven't gotten your first divorce under your belt Not yet. Not yet. You uh, know, yeah. we're working so, on it. Yeah. No. So as someone who has been through a divorce, like the, like once you understand it, like, oh, I, I get that, the anger and like the feelings of that mm-hmm. and everything. But I think also, um, I think that, I think it's nice that you want to hold on to the, the the myth of it because I think you're you're just upset that it would completely ruin an entire stanza of the song Stand by Eminem because yep. it's referenced in the following lyrics where he goes, you know the song by Phil Collins in the air tonight, in the air of the night, so he gets it wrong, <laughs> about that guy who could have saved that other guy from drowning but didn't, then Phil saw it all, then at a show he found him. Well, I that was buy- also Stan singing those lyrics, not Eminem. Oh, so, okay, so it's Stan... Yeah, but I'm just saying, then if Eminem performed that song, what would he put in that section there? What would he, you know, that song by Bill Collins, Studio? But I do like that song. Man, I love that story so much more than Divorce. I mean, it's still a good song either way, you know? Yeah. So you like that song more than Divorce. Okay, what a solid rating for this song. You know, it's better than Divorce. The song, the song. Drowning. Dra- <laughs> guy drowning yeah but phil phil collins says the drowning uh, the drowning guy had the easy way out you know what i'm saying <laughs> let the bodies hit the floor um so people always say is that talking about drowning he said no uh every time i come back to america the story gets more elaborate so frustrating because this is one song out of all the songs probably that i've ever written that i really don't know what it's about so but yeah. it, you know you could probably it was written during his divorce, probably about divorce, but it's subconscious because I, I, I love system of a down, but if you look at those lyrics, I'm like, I don't even know what this dude's talking about. Yeah. Well, and also you found out like, I don't know if you know this about the system of the down record, the big breakthrough one that they did with Rick Rubin, a bunch of those lyrics Rick Rubin wrote. He just told him to go find a book and open up. Yep. That's where it's like, like, whoo, like, wow, the artistry. I just randomly picked something out of the Bible and sang it four times. Okay. And it, but it is one of those things where you, you're like, you have so much attachment to certain songs. And then Mm -hmm. you're like, that was about what, (laughs) you know, like, 
I put yeah. all this uh, emotion into this and it means something about my life, but it's about a snow cone. Well, and then uh, I think it also goes the other way where people like artists have written something and that, you know, they think has like a deep personal meaning and then it mm-hmm. becomes like, you know, like it, all the, by other the kids with the pumped up yeah. kicks. Yeah. All the, the, the other like the fans just converted into like, oh, it's just a thing that I listen to at the gym. <laughs> You know, yeah. or whatever. Like, oh well, okay. I guess that's good. Good for yeah, you. Yeah, that's I guess. my pain and trauma, and you're just yeah. uh, doing free weights. And you're laughing at it, which is kind of the whole premise of this entire stand-up comedy thing, I guess. But still, a little weird. <laughs> yeah. Well, that that's our episode, Maddie Cakes, and we will play Freebird uh, as an encore. We're gonna go away mm-hmm. and then come back at the end of this podcast. Mm-hmm. Okay. Play Freebird. But uh, what what else you got going on that you want to talk about? Uh, I've got some shows coming up, but, uh, I don't know when this is going to drop. I, I actually don't have a whole lot coming up. I don't know why I said that. I've got a few sparse things mm-hmm. over the next couple of months because I've really been in limestone mode. And then, uh, everyone I know is getting married. I don't know if you have this, but like, uh, several weekends of my summer are booked up with going to people's weddings, Yeah, which is when, uh, daddy usually makes the money. And so it's a little, like, I, I'm very happy for these people that are getting married. Mm-hmm. Um, I will request in the air tonight, uh, <laughs> at the reception, <laughs> just <laughs> as like a little <laughs> dark, <laughs> dark <laughs> foreshadowing, you know, <laughs> uh, but, I do, uh, I do like yeah, that these weddings have... are worse than going to a comedy <laughs> festival. Cause at least you can network at a comedy festival. <laughs> you know well the thing is like uh i mean i have the live show coming up which is good but it's like no i mean just like regular weekend work i'm doing shows i don't have a whole lot coming up until the fall so um yeah. i guess just check out the podcast everybody that's the only thing i want to push at this time matt and, out, and dwight just might yeah check out back episodes of brent's podcast if you have it because it's real good i enjoy oh, it thanks man well that's because you're on it yeah i mean when i said back episodes i only meant the ones that i'm on obviously cool Well, uh, thanks for being on the show, and uh, those are Hawaiian noises, dear listener. (laughs) 